I'm so glad to be here today. Is that enough? Am I loud enough for everyone? Okay. I just want to thank the elders of the church and Pete, Phil, and everyone for giving me this opportunity to come and speak before you today. And I'm so happy to speak again. I thank God for that. Some people are asking me, how are you feeling? I said, oh, I wouldn't know until I stand in front of the people. <laughs> for now, I'm still okay. <laughs> when I get there, that's when you start being nervous and all, but yeah, I thank God for this. Amen. Can we pray, please? Lord, we thank you for this time you've given us to come before your throne today, to worship you, to praise you, to glorify your name. Father, we thank you even for the gift of life, because if we didn't have the gift of life, we wouldn't be here today. Father, we thank you for everybody in this church, those that are here today and those that are not here today, those that are somewhere but their hearts are with us today in this church. We thank you, Lord, for our families, wherever they are. We thank you, Lord, and we commit them into your hands. We thank you, God, that we pray and we trust that you will bring family into this church. Father, we thank you for your mercy and all the things that you have for us in 2017. We commit them to your hands. Amen. So how do I do this again? Okay. So today I'm going to speak about the Last Supper as we speak about the summer series. I thought, wow, am I not the perfect candidate to talk about this? Cooking, I love cooking. And then I thought, oh, maybe when Pete was doing the roster or Matt or anyone, when they looked at everybody else, they thought, who could be the perfect person to, pick, to speak about this Last Supper? And well, it's me. <laughs> so it reminded me when I was preparing the sermon, I, remi it reminded, I was reminded of a time when I had the last supper with my parents before I left home. That was before I left for Dubai to go and work overseas. And that time was really special for me because I knew I wouldn't see them for years, you see. So it was really hard for me to even swallow the food down, knowing the following day I would be on the plane going somewhere. But it was a really perfect and amazing time for me in my life, you know, spending the last moments with my parents back home, not the last finally, but just the last supper with them at that moment. So when I was looking at Luke 22, it talks about Jesus having the last supper with his disciples. And I'll just give you a bit, a bit of a background on the story. I'm not going to talk about everything else. I'll start from uh, verse 7. But what happened from verse 1 to verse 6? Jesus was planned to have the Last Supper with, with his di uh, disciples. He knew that he was going to be crucified, right? So he planned to have these last moments with them, spend time with them, maybe give them some advice on what, how they would plan their lives when he was gone, or how they would live their lives as well. And wasn't this the perfect time for Judas Iscariot as well to think of selling Jesus? And then he also went with the, sorry, this thing is a bit low. Could you please help me adjust it a little bit? Look down a bit lower, yeah? Yeah, thank you. Oh, just a little bit higher. Yeah, <laughs> with my heels. Yeah, fine. Yes, thank you. Yeah. That's okay. So Judas planned with the teachers of the law and the other people that he wanted to sell Jesus. He wanted to betray Jesus, actually. But Jesus knew all those things that were happening at that time. Okay? 
So he didn't stop, this didn't stop him from planning the last meal, so he sent his two disciples to go and plan, meet a man down the road to plan the last supper for them. So when they went to this other place to sit together, we see in verse 7, they came to the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. And if you look in the Bible, most of you may know what the Passover is about. There was a time in Exodus, just look at the verse, Exodus 13 verse 8, when the children of Israel moved from Egypt to go to the promised land. They had to eat the unleavened bread. This was a bread that didn't have any yeast on it or any raising agent. So after the children of Israel were moved from Egypt to go to the promised land, all the other generations after that kept on doing this Passover as a remembrance of what God had done for them in the past. Sorry. Just to remember what God had done for them in the past. So they prepared the table and people came there as well. I have a little picture here to show us what happened. I hope it's clear enough. So Jesus was there with his disciples. They sat with the 12 disciples there, and he's there with the bread, he's holding bread in his hands. And then on the other, on the other side of the table, they have a bottle of uh, the red wine that they had to share as well. So I was thinking to myself, why did Jesus plan to have the Last Supper with his disciples? It was so that he could farewell them. It was so that he could tell them that he was going to be crucified. And I think most of them didn't really realize it or didn't really believe him when he talked about it. But Judas Iscariot, among us all the people, knew the plans that he had in mind. He knew what was going to happen. So this time was really special for Jesus, especially because he was spending the last moments of his life with his disciples. And so they booked the table, went to this other place, and they reclined at the table, it says in the other verse. I'll just keep on going back and forth. They reclined at the table to eat with his disciples. That's in verse 14. So it says they reclined at the table so they could eat the food and discuss and talk about what Jesus had in plan for them. When you talk about reclining, it is different from the way when the children of Israelites were living in Egypt, they couldn't sit down to eat. They ate while they were standing, in case the enemy would come. So at this moment, when Jesus said his disciples could sit at a table with him, this shows a sense of freedom. They're not running away from anyone. They are comfortable. They have all the freedom they need. He knew, though he knew Judas Iscariot was planning something, he wasn't afraid. So they reclined at the table. They felt so comfortable with each other. They're talking stories. Some of them are asking, what is Jesus talking about? Some of them believe him. Some of them don't believe him, okay? But the most important thing is they are all at the table with him. So he brought the bread with them, and then he shared the wine. We'll talk about it later on. So why did Jesus share the Last Supper as well? I, th I thought I came up with only two points. I thought he did this to plant an important memory in their minds so they could remember him. 
when he was gone. Because he said in, his, in verse 9, 10, do this in remembrance of me when he brought the bread. And now as Christians, when we live our lives even today, we remember this verse, don't we? We share the bread and the wine, and we do this in remembrance of Jesus, the way he died for us on the cross. So he did this so he could plant this thing in their hearts, plant this thing in their minds, so that even when he's gone, they would remember that at that day, we had the Last Supper. I think most of you moved from, if you would have moved from different places, or sometimes if you would have left your family one day going for a holiday or something, you know how important it is to have a meal with your family? It's important to have especially the last meal together. And it stays with you in your heads. The last time you would have spent with your parents, I don't know how long ago, whether they are there or they're late, but the last moments you spend with people are really important in your lives. And when you think of them, when you reflect, when you go back, what comes to your head, to your mind, is those memorable times they've spent with you, those times, the good times you've shared, the good times you've laughed together, the meals you've shared, the games you've played, and everything you've done together. And I think this moment, at this moment when they were seated there, Jesus was re reflecting all the times he spent with his disciples. He was looking at all of them. And I think it also gave the disciples an opportunity to reflect on themselves. You know, Jesus was telling them he's going to be crucified. But what did that mean to them? They had to look at themselves. They had to sit down and think, what good have I done in my life? What have I done you know, what if Jesus goes today, he's crucified for my sins, what is it that I've done to contribute towards that? Or what is it that I've done that when he's crucified on the cross, I can say, yes, he's crucified on the cross, but I've been delivered in this way and that way. So given that time to also, you know, examine themselves and look at themselves to see the things that they had to do wrong and the things they had to correct. And when I look at this Last Supper, I think it was something that benefited not only the disciples of Jesus, but something that benefited us today as he died on the cross. When I was talking to Maripi, he said to me, oh, I want you to talk about the Last Supper and then for you to talk about sharing meals together. I thought, oh, how is this going to go hand in hand together? You know, sharing meals today and the Last Supper that happened at that time. So like they were having fun like we do now, we have you know, all this food and we have all this, we cook and we, we do all these things. They had the bread and the wine to share together. That was, that was important to them. But when he talked about sharing meals, I thought, okay, I will bring a little bit of a story about my life. I grew up in a family of five and my, my mother had to put food for all of us on the table. But from a younger age, she taught us to cook. She would say, oh, you don't expect to see food on the table, but you also have to do your own bit, you know. You wake up, you do the vegetables, or you clean the plates, or you, you know, set the table, or you have to do something, clean the dishes afterwards. If it's your turn, you have to do what you have to do. So I was looking at sharing meals together. I'm thinking, okay, I'll bring my life into this and try to show you how I've lived my life and what I've learned in my, in my life as well. I'm so grateful to my parents for teaching me how to cook because it's not a pain for me today. It would be really hard. Without them, I would always be thinking of them all the time, like, oh, I wish they were here to cook for me. <laughs> but I think of them in other better ways, in other special ways, you see. So I'm so grateful to them. And in my culture, 
we have a saying that goes in, I'll try to translate it in English so you understand that. It says if you have a relationship, it is like, an, like a cup, like a mug, you know? It's like this, half empty. If you haven't had food together, it's like this. But when you have food together, it will fill to the top. So no matter how many relationships you can have, you can have friends, you can have people you associate with and all, but if you've never shared a meal ever once, it will be like this. But if you share a meal together, you fill it to the brim. I hope it's a bit clearer for everyone to understand it, but I've tried to translate it from my mother's tongue, okay? So one thing I want to share with the church today, importance of having meals together, just move to the slide here. I thought I would look for a perfect picture for everybody to see different reactions in people's faces when they're having meals and when they're sharing meals together. And when we look at the first person here, oh, how do I highlight her? Okay, when we look at the first person here, everyone can see that? This first lady has a plate. Her plate is different from everyone else in there. Can you see why? She's filled it to the brim, you know? The others are taking maybe a starter or just some vegetables, or the others are taking some meals or just some meat or something else, but she's filled it to the brim. So one thing I was just thinking when I was doing the sermon is, as a church, how important is it for us to share meals together? And why is it important, you know? Just as we say, our cup is half empty if we don't share meals together. So when we share meals together, it becomes to the brim. Yes. So we get, we get to fill it to the brim. That's what we want. That's what I want for us as a church to do. Not because I've grown up or came from a background that has this, but I think it's something that would be really good for the church. So when we look at the other person, his head is down. He's just not thinking about everyone else. He's focusing on his food. That's all he wants. And the third one is like, oh, yeah, this is my food. The fourth one is smiling, and the fifth one is smiling, since they are really looking forward to eating the meal. So when we're sharing meals together as a church, we need to understand that we are all different. You know, we come from different backgrounds. We come from different cultures. We, we're just different people. So if I invite you to my house, if I cook my lovely food that you don't like, <laughs> or that I may like myself, you can just be polite and say, oh, this tastes really yummy. <laughs> you know? That's how relationships are made, even if it doesn't, you know? But it gives the other person that confidence, you know, to, to do a little bit more, to bring everybody to the table, to even open, have the confidence to open the doors to other people. I think that's what Jesus did when he shared the Last Supper with his disciples. He didn't say, oh, I, don't, I have an empty table. He saw so much on the table. There was so much food on the table, even if they were talking about other things, but the, the table was full, you see. So the other time I invited Pete to our house, or he invited himself over to our house, <laughs> he came and he was okay. He had had his dinner, Julie, I think, prepared something for him. It was around seven o'clock, so he got there. We also prepared something with my husband, because if you're coming to our house, yes, you can come and go, but it's not polite for us if you come and go without eating our food. 
said, he said, no, 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 I'm fine. He said, oh, are you? He said, yeah, yeah, I've had something to eat. He said, okay, you're okay. So he gave me a little bit of a drink. Oh, you can have some juice and drink and all. He's like, yeah, Julie will be okay. Oh, I may have something when I go home. I'm like, okay, it's fine. So I stood up, went to the kitchen, and then started serving the food. And then Pete was okay. He didn't even know food was coming to the table. So I put food on the table, set up, and I said, oh, food is ready to, for us to eat. So I was like, oh, no, but no, 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 I'm okay. I've had some food. I, I will eat something later on. So I had to explain to Pete, like, if you come to our house, <laughs> you cannot just go back without eating. What did you eat before you come in the first place? <laughs> so you need to come hungry. <laughs> so the next time Phil came, he said, I am really prepared for this. He didn't even know there was food cooked. He said, Pete gave me a tip. <laughs> You go to the house, you have to go hungry. <laughs> Don't eat anything. So I'm so grateful for what my parents have brought into me, and I'm so grateful for the things that I'm going to share with you today as well. You can do it, and most of you, I'm so grateful that I've been to other people's houses in this church. I haven't been yet able to return that favor, but 2017 is a new year, amen. Yeah. And I'm so praying and looking forward to greater things in 2017 as well for us. I'll be opening my doors many times this year, and if I do, if you don't like the food, it's yummy. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, I just want to talk about why it is important as Christians to share meals together, okay? It helps us to form a community together. We can never form a community if people are hungry, if people don't get comfortable with each other, if people don't sit and enjoy the meals together, even if it's a, an ice cream or a cup of coffee or a glass of water, we need to become a community. And as we are in Poro, we're looking to attract even the community that we have with us here. We need to have more times where we spend more time having food together. It could be after church, it could be someone taking someone for coffee or inviting someone to their house for a meal. Put yourself on the list. Each of you or one of you will come to my house this year and you have to be hungry. <laughs> Amen. And it also helps us to be a family together. You know, families share meals together. If you've had a family, even with your parents or people you call families, our families are back home, but we have other people we are so close to who are friends, who are family as well to us. So our culture is weird, right? You get to be friends with someone, at the end of the day you become not only friends, but you end up calling them your sister or brother. From there they are your sister and brother, like siblings, real friends and family. So we thank God for that, and we are praying that 2017, God will help us create families and relationships in this church, and friendships as well in the church. It doesn't mean you have to do that with people you're comfortable with. You can maybe try to put, step your foot on somewhere where you're uncomfortable, just to try and you know, make everyone feel to be part of the church. I think one thing that makes people to go, to keep on going to a church is if they belong to a church. You know, that's one thing I do. If I go to a certain church, if I don't belong, I'll think twice to say, huh. It could be with meals or without meals, so if you're sharing a meal with someone, spending time together, or even putting time aside to chat and talk with someone, you know, putting time aside, and church time only is not enough for all, all of us. So we need to have that time to spend more time together. 
And when we spend time together sharing meals, especially when sharing meals, you will never find someone who only eats silently, you know? Even when you talk to them, when they're eating the meal, they will respond to you. But if you talk to them, if they're not having any food, they may not want to talk back. But if you're having a meal, I don't know what foods does, food does to people's stomach or people's mouths. They just find themselves wanting to talk and eat. So it's important that we do that. And when we spend time together and eat together, not only do we fellowship together, but we also have that time to pray together. So it would be important that when we eat together, we can also find time to pray with each other, carry each other's burdens, and you know, yeah, strengthen each other as well as we go. And above all, when we spend time together, we connect in some way, which is what we have on the first slide, connect. So we're talking about connecting this summer, not only for this summer, winter days are the hardest as well because people cannot really go outside. So we need to have that time to spend more time with people, try to have more schedules as individuals or church or anything like that. I know most of you are doing that, but it would be good to do it more. So when we share the communion together, that's also part of sharing uh, meals together as Christians. So we do it often, whenever we share the meal, we should remember the verse in verse 19 that when Jesus took the bread, he broke the bread and gave them the, uh, the glass of juice or wine and said, you know, this is the bread that is broken for my body because he knew he was going to be crucified. So when we take the bread and when we take the wine, we remember the day that Jesus was crucified for our sins. And we are so blessed as Christians nowadays that when we look back, we're not like the disciples because it's, the disciples were told they were going to share this meal with Jesus before he was crucified on the cross. But we are so fortunate that we know all the story about how Jesus was crucified and we know him as Christians and we know the times that he's been there for us in our lives. We know he's been there certain times. Could be when we had people who were ill or in our times of sickness or times of illness or even very difficult times in our lives. He was there for us. But when we break the bread, it reminds us that he died for us on the, sin, on the cross for our sins. And it also reminds us that we are the same body as him when we take the bread. I will give you a small story from my family as well. I have so many stories, sorry. <laughs> we take forever. But this one is about my grandmother. She's a lovely woman. She's, she's amazing. She's almost, she's 90-something, almost 100. But she remembers all the stories that happened ages ago. She knows everything that's happening today from around the community, not only her neighbors, but she knows everything from around the community. So when we visit her, you have to really have time to talk to her because she tells you about everything that's happened in the past three years you've been away, and then you have to really have the patience to know about each individual person and everything. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Her memory is really amazing. But as we were growing up as, uh, as kids, we would go and visit my grandmother all the grandchildren will go there on school holidays. And then what she used to do was, she would cook the food for us and then she would put all the food in one plate. 
I'm sure some of you know what I'm talking about. If you've been, if you haven't, you wouldn't know what I'm talking about. But she would put our sadza, I've brought the white pot, like the mashed potato one. She would put everything in there. She would put the vegetables, she would put the meat in one plate. And I'm talking about 15 to 20 grandchildren or more. So she would put uh, maybe the cider in one plate and the relish in the other plate. So we were all grandchildren for different ages, you see. Five, seven, nine, 10, 12, 14, all different ages. And she wouldn't put the exact amount of meat in there. So number of meat in there. So it was survival of, of the fittest, <laughs> you know? You want meat, you really have to know how to eat. If you don't know how to eat, you wouldn't eat any meat at the end of the day. You would only be left with a white pot of with no relish on your to it. So that was really good for us because it gave us that sense of community. You know, we never really used to think, why is she putting food in one plate? We had to eat, so we had to go and, you know, even if you didn't like each other, you had to eat together in the same plate, you ended up liking each other because the person sitting next to you could be the person to save you the meat <laughs> or to grab that meat for you and say, you can have this. So we had to learn to live with each other even if we didn't like each other. When we go back home, we can say, oh, I don't like you, I don't like you. But if you're at grandma's house, you have to like each other. So I was looking at this as a church. We, don't, we may not like each other, but we are in Jesus' house. We have to like each other. We have to pretend we like each other. And we have to learn to love each other, right? That, that comes up with sharing meals together, you know? We don't have to invite someone you know will eat the food, no? Invite someone you know will not even eat the food. Who struggle even with the food? So they can learn your culture, or they can learn to eat that food. Or they can learn you especially, to learn what kind of a person you are. So when we spend more time together, we learn, we get to know each other actually. I don't know if many of you know me, but if, you've, if you spend 10 minutes with me at the table, at my house or yours, you will know me really well. So like anyone else, because you get to get comfortable with each other, you get to talk, you get to open up with each other, you know. That's what we are praying for in 2017, that God will make this church a church that will be comfortable with each other, that people who walk through the door we really sense that freedom, we sense that connectivity, that connection between the people, we will bring it to each other as well. You may not bring it to me first, but try to bring it to someone, you know, so we can all be there for each other, you know. Amen. So I will get back to my grandma's, I'll go back and come back and go back and come back. But I said to Matt, I will look at the time, don't worry. I will not do the African time, I will look at the time properly. So when I was growing up, I, I got a time to sit with my grand, stay with my grandmother for I think a year. And what really used to annoy me was when I would cook the food, she would tell me the, to fill the pot to the brim. We cook our sadza, our uh, African food. And she would tell me to put extra pieces of meat and extra vegetables. So I would ask, who are we gonna serve? Like who's coming, who are the visitors? And she would say, I don't know. And then I would say, so why are we cooking extra food? That's wastage. You know, we can cook the food tomorrow or cook when the, when the people come inside. But she said to me, don't you worry, somebody may end up coming through the door. I say to her, 
So there were days when I would cook and nobody would come and I'd say to her, this is wasted, what are we gonna do with the food? And she said to me, oh don't you worry, we'll eat the food tomorrow for breakfast. <laughs> so if someone didn't come, we had to really warm that food up and eat it the next day for breakfast. But one thing I really liked was, most of the days people would come, really. People that we were not even related to. My grandmother opened her house to people from her village who used to come to the same area to sell their vegetables, to, to trade their stock and their goods. She just opened her house. So sometimes when people were late, you know, they would leave the market very late. They couldn't catch the bus to go back home. They would think, who, where can I go to sleep? I don't have any money to buy the food or I don't have any place to sleep. It's so expensive. It's hard for me to find somewhere to sleep. Maybe they've only got a little bit of money to pay school fees for their children, or a little bit of money to pay their rent, or a little bit of money to do a little bit of stuff. So they couldn't spend that to pay a hotel room, especially, or anyone else. So they would come and knock on the door, maybe eight o'clock or nine o'clock, we're all sleeping, and then they come in, and grandma would be like, oh, come on in, we have enough food for you, we cook some food, extra food. Those were the best moments of my life because I, I used to know at least the food is not being wasted, at least someone has come in. So I just want to encourage you to do that. Take an extra step and prepare that extra food in your house. Or do some extra thing for someone for the church especially. It could be someone in the church, it could be someone you know from the community who needs you to be there for them. Someone from your workplace who needs you to be there for them. Just being there as well. So just go to the next verse. So when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles went to the table, we read that, but after he took the cup, or he broke the bread, and then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to his disciples saying, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So when we take the bread and the wine, we need to remember that Jesus is not going to take the bread and the wine for us, but we are going to do it on behalf of him and his disciples. And we do this in remembrance of him, remembering the good things he's done for us on the cross, remembering that he died for us on the cross. I just want to challenge you today when you look at the bread and the wine, what comes to your mind? What is it that God has done for you in your past that you need to bring back to his table? This is the very moment that you have to come and surrender everything that you have to him. What is it that you want God to do for you? When I look at myself, I feel I have so much to bring to God at the table. You know, when you come to partake in the bread and the wine, this is the time to come and surrender all that you have for him. What is it that you have for 2017? What is it that you want God to do for you in this year? 2016 was a very painful year. I don't know about other people, but it was a very busy year for me and a very painful year for me. I just wanted it to come to the midnight of 2016, December 31st, and just shut the door and never open it. Other people may have those days in their lives when you feel, I just want this day to go and I just shut the door and never open it. But 2017, 
I think 2017, as I've been praying and we've been praying with other people, and you may also feel it in your spirit, 2017 is a year of God's promises. If you don't believe it, you need to start believing it. If God hasn't done anything for you in the past, 2017 is a year to believe. It is a year of favor, and it's a year not only to live your life thinking, oh, I'll just live my life, I'll just wake up and go. When the time comes for me to go and sleep, I'll just go and sleep. But I believe 2017 is a very prophetic year for people that believe in God. 2017, God is going to do those things that you've been waiting for for all this time. If you don't believe it, I am believing it. I have so many things I want God to do for me, and I am trusting God for it. 2017 is a year I'm saying, God, yes, all these other years existed in my life, but this is a new year, and I need to claim it as it starts. And I remember the Last Supper. I will remember that Jesus died for me on the cross. When I look at the bread and the wine, I will remember that there are other things he did for me in the past that I never expected him to do. He's delivered me. I, I could be somewhere, you know. Sometimes we look at my husband. We used to love parties. Anybody partied before? <laughs> the young ones? The older ones? We used to love parties, me and my husband. Every Friday would go for parties. Every Friday, till 2 o'clock and 3 a.m. Sometimes in Courtney Place when we came here, sometimes in other places. But I, I am so grateful that God has moved me from that place of going partying every Friday to a place of going worshiping on a Friday and to a place of going to, to, to look for the prayer groups also on a Wednesdays or other days to a place of coming to church on a Sunday, otherwise it could be worse. I am so grateful that God has done that for me. And as I look on the cross, I remember his mercy. I remember the way he's delivered me in my life. And I know he hasn't, he's not even done with me yet. He still has so many promises for me. And I want to challenge, especially those with the families over here or overseas, so I'm challenging everyone, right? <laughs> I want to challenge you that if you haven't been spending more time with your family, and then talking to your family, I just want you to spend more time praying for your family. It's not just eating with them or speaking with them, but just spend more time praying for them. And I believe God is going to do greater things for us as a family in 2017. He's going to restore the families in 2017. God is going to restore marriages. There have been so many broken marriages, but I believe in this year God is going to do it. And I believe in this year, God is going to bring so many marriages in this church as well. There could not be only marriages, but God is going to help the young ones find even their love partners. And God is going to help all those people who are married in this place to have their marriages restored. Amen. Amen. And I'm trusting that as well for God, because Francis, he is not in trouble. <laughs> in 2017, God is going to bless us. Hallelujah. So what do, we, what do we feel when we look at the, the cups that are lining on there? For me, it represents the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for me and for you, for our sins, for our transgressions, for our pain, whatever we may go through in our lives, for our children, for our future, for everything. The blood was spilled on the cross for us. 
so we could have life, not only life, but we could have life in abundance. And I just want to challenge you today that as you partake in the bread and the wine, the bread and the juice, I'll correct that, as you partake in the bread and the juice, bring whatever it is that is burdening you. What is it that's in your mind? What is it that you want God to do for you? This is the altar that we have. We need to come and surrender it to him. As you pray for the young ones at uni, for those that are looking for jobs, I'm praying that God will do greater things for us in this year. Amen? Amen. God will open doors for you that no one will shut. And God will bring other people to be in favor with you at the right time. Hallelujah. We thank you, God, for your favor. And we want to thank God for everything he's done for us. And I believe God will heal those that are trusting God to be healed in this year. God is going to heal you as well. And God will bring more children in the church. Hallelujah. In this year. Amen. I'm trusting God for that. He will do it for us. What is it that we've asked God to do for us? And he's never done it. You know, it may not be in our time, but he will do it. That's what I believe. Sometimes I pray for something, and then I have something I want but not really want, and then God gives that to me first. I'm thinking, but okay, I'll take it. I want it as well, but I've asked for this other one. But we need to keep on pushing. We need to keep on pressing. So as we pray today, we need to remember that God died for our sins on the cross especially. And whatever we, we want, we will have if we only believe. So all we need to do in this year is to believe. And I believe God will give us the strength and will give us the power in this year to preach, even if you've never preached, preach even to yourself, you know, to pray for other people. If you don't know how to pray for other people, start with yourself. Start with small people or with your family or someone you're really close to, someone you're really comfortable with as well. And I believe God will restore us in this year. And we need to bring that favor and that promise and that trust, you know, that word to say, God, this is what I want you to do for me. You may not do it for me this year. You may not do it for me this month, I mean, but I know you will do it for me. Hallelujah. And God will restore us. So this is an opportunity for us to bring what it is that that's really deep in our hearts, that that's deep in our minds. I will bring everything to God in prayer because we can never do it by ourselves. Hallelujah. And we pray even for this sense of community. We cannot do it by ourselves. We need God to help us. So as we pray today and as we partake in the bread and the wine, we pray that God will help us restore us, restore our marriages, restore our families, restore this church. It's my dream that people will feel comfortable in the church. And I'm so glad that I am, I am part of the journey that we are going through as a church. And I want to encourage you that there's no culture that's better than the other. I will bring my culture, but I want you to draw from my culture, and I want to draw from your culture too. Together in the kingdom of God, as we partake on the, bread, the same bread and the same wine, we're partaking on the same body of Christ. Together at the end of the day, we will become one. So I want to try, I want to challenge you today to say bring all your struggles, everything you struggle with, bring it to God in prayer, and he will do it for us. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.